Hey, welcome everybody to the Future Church podcast with me, Anthony Delaney. Um, always exciting to be able to uh, share with you a friendship. Um, for me, this is a long-term, long-time friendship with um, Patrick O'Connell. Uh, Patrick is the, uh, he leads New Think um, in, in many forms around uh, the, the, the world globally um, in some areas uh, he's my he's kind of my boss. Although to be honest with you, anybody who knows me knows that, that the only real boss I have is well. I was going to say there's Jesus obviously, and then there's Zoe, my wife. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, we, when I say that, I think Patrick has been somebody that over the years I've had many conversations with. When I first began to sense that I wanted to help uh, get some help leaders to plant more churches uh, in the UK and across Western Europe. Um, Dave Ferguson was really uh, a great encouragement to me and a great mentor of me and pretty soon kind of connected me in with Patrick and uh, I've just it's been a thrill to be able to see how God's used him to be able to uh, galvanize leaders from around the world to be able to um, deal really well I think with various cultures which is not mm. easy and to be able to um, glean learnings from them, to connect people relationally, to continually champion and model uh, the four R's of new thing, which I'll ask Patrick at some point maybe to tell us what they are for those who don't know. I don't want to assume that people listening to this know anything at all about new thing. Um, but before we get into that and why I think it's amazing and why you should uh, connect with new thing wherever you're listening to this, um, then I just wanted to uh, say hi. And welcome to Patrick O'Connell. Good to be with you, my friend. And isn't God good? Isn't God good? <laughs> so are you in Chicago at the moment? Yeah, uh, it is just uh, the end of summer here in Chicago. And it feels like just the the chill is in the air. Uh, autumn is upon us and it is my favorite time of year. Oh, well, we are in the summer, it would appear. And weirdly, in Manchester here, it's been... 32 degrees down centigrade in the south of England today. It's been the hottest day all year. And um, I've got to say, I'm loving it. I've spent quite a bit of time. I, I washed my car and then I felt so good doing it that I washed my neighbor's car. And then I <laughs> cars because I didn't want to go in. I was like, this is such a great day. I'm enjoying myself. I'm going to just keep uh, washing cars in the sun. And it looks like I'm doing something busy. <laughs> you don't get too many of those nice summer days in Manchester, do you? We do not. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, it was a good thing to do to, uh, to uh, enjoy myself, bless other people, and uh, and stay out in the sunshine. So, yeah. Good stuff. So, Patrick, um, you, you uh, you're married. I know that you have family. You have, you have uh, children. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you and the kind of story of you and um, and uh, you know what brought you first of all to Jesus and then uh, into into serving Him full time in the way that you now are. Yeah, I think Anthony, I am proof that God is um, capable of using any one of us to do immeasurably more. Uh, the last thing I ever thought that I would be doing with my life is having the privilege and honor to work and serve alongside leaders like you and your listeners. Um, born and raised in the Chicagoland area, um, I'm a Catholic with a last name like O'Connell that you're automatically in the Catholic uh, <laughs> diocese. You know, there's no registering you. You're just in. <laughs> We, we, uh, but, um, you know, unfortunately, my parents got divorced when I was relatively young and uh, never set foot in a church after that. Like, 
like a long, long time and had really no one that I was connected. My, I want to be very fair to my family here, but they're Catholic, but none of them were really following hard after Jesus, in my opinion, as I look over it. Um, fast forward, I did a lot of life without Jesus. Uh, met my wife, Nancy, in a punk rock mosh pit when we were just teenagers. And that is a true story. And we can talk about that if you're interested. <laughs> She's the love of my life. Um, we have we have three kids and a, and a grandson and another little uh, granddaughter on the way. And so my, I'm remarkably blessed. But um, my I did I did the first basically 32 years of my life without a significant spiritual presence. I was a seeker. I was interested. I was wanting to find God, but I didn't have any language, and I certainly didn't have any relationships that were going to help me connect there. I went to the army, was in business, and it was in my early 30s, Anthony, that. Um, that was just a season I call coming to the end of myself. I was a cruddy husband. I was a I was a emotionally unavailable dad. Um, I was not I was not spiritually um, at at all getting fed, and I had this incredible existential crisis and came to a very very dark place. And in that moment, in that season, God got a hold of me through a simple relationship in our neighborhood. It was an invite to a to a, a church, and my wife went. And she went without me for four years. And then finally I came with her, which was great. And then after that, it was, uh, it's been a fast paced uh, kind of journey uh, ever since that moment that Jesus got a hold of it. But God gets all the credit for that. I was not ex expecting to ever be a Christian, let alone lead a church planning organization. So looking back, uh, you know, some of the experiences that you've had, obviously, uh, we, uh, you said you you know lived a lot of life. Do you feel like some of that has helped you to be able to have some more of an understanding, even a compassion for people who are far from God? And you know, um, you know, that isn't to say that people who you know who've grown up knowing the Lord all you know their lives can't get that. But you know, perhaps uh, what you know, if you look back over your life, would you think, even think that maybe there were some significant points where you kind of feel like maybe God was trying to get you on the hook and you just kept wriggling off? Yeah, I think, I mean, there was, there was, um, there was a time in my, my early, early twenties when I was, um, I was a student teacher in the city of Chicago. And, um, I, there was a day where I was robbed at gunpoint and, um, for about that 60, 80, 90 seconds, I, I thought that was it. <laughs> like I was prepared for the end and that spooked me in a big way. And it just, it like presented one of those, huh? Um, I think the birth of my children uh, required me to question a lot in a much more profound and deeper way, this love that I, that I felt that I never knew I had. Right. Um, and and then and then I think my I, I'm the oldest of four and and I lost my next youngest brother to an addiction, and that kind of runs in the family. And watching many uh, of my family members and in particular my brother who succumbed to his addiction, um, sh struggle through life without the hope, without the you know hope is so important and Jesus provides us hope and sometimes we forget that you know like. People need to hope for the day as they wake up. And so, yeah, I think those are some of the, 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 the things that, that mark my journey. And then this, this ex, as existential dread that I kind of carried 
with me. I've always been a voracious reader and read widely, but um, I just carry that through my 20s and just a very dark kind of sensibility and worldview that just wasn't making any sense to me. And I think throw all that in, at least spiritually, that's what God could use to get a hold of me. Yeah, so good. And I think that um, we've got to remember, I suppose, these touch points for people spiritually that they have as, you know, I think most people looking back are going to think of those times. And, you know, uh, it's interesting, you know, and I kind of listen to a lot of stuff. There's a resurgence around stuff like stoic philosophy at the moment and the whole idea of a memento mori, you know, remember that you could die, et cetera. And, and that's huge. People are, you know, very into all of those kind of things. And it seems to me the church is kind of missing out potentially on some of those moments when we can connect people to Jesus, like it talks about in Ecclesiastes, there being a time for everything. And maybe it's those times, the times when, like you say, a time of new life, when the baby's born or, or a time when we kind of become close to our, our own mortality. And those are the times when the church really, you know, can, can present the hope that we own the only Jesus followers have, you know, the, because even like a stoic philosophy, as far as I'm concerned, it might enable you to cope better a little bit with this life, but it, it's got no hope for any kind of future. Beyond. I love that you use that phrase. I think there's a profound difference between cope and hope yeah that's true give give me the hope brother uh i, I, I the cope is great but i need the hope <laughs> so amen <laughs> so so from there uh, i mean what about your time in the army you don't you know maybe uh, anybody who knows me anybody who comes to ivy or connects at some point will no doubt have rolled their eyes because i'll start talking about her when i was in the police and they'll kind of tell <laughs> some story or another but you know those kind of things were foundational they were you know formational for me there was things that I learned around discipline and uh, mm. teamwork and comradeship I suppose you'd call it and they kind of spoiled me a little bit for you know what sometimes passes in Christian circles as as you know brotherhood if you've gone through some things with some people you you know life and death situations and those kind of things you you pretty soon learn who your friends are and some of those people become you know friends but but you know what kind of things can you maybe look back uh, you know, from your time in the military, perhaps, and, and then into business that still inform how you now are leading? Because, you know, we don't you can't get it all out of books. So um, what, what what else? Uh, I, know, what... I, I, I love it. I, I, um, I was with our good friend Alan Hurst the other night for dinner. And so much of what you're um, speaking to about communitas, his notion of communitas, doing hard things together changes each other. Um, I, I appreciate the question, brother, because I, I went to the army after I had gone to college and I was married and we it, it was a series of things that were happening in my life. This is long before my Jesus days. There was a series of things that were happening and it just felt like I kept hitting the wall. Bam, bam. And I couldn't get through and I I could settle and take the, you know, the corporate gig. But I there was something in me that just was not ready for that. So off I go to the army. And what I what I did was I did something hard. I stepped into a liminal space. And part of the reason I joined was because I wanted to test myself. I know that's a bit strange and awkward, but I wanted to kind of, hey, could I, should I, you know, could I get through some of these tough spots? And I know I would never invite somebody to bring that onto themselves, but you're nodding. And I see like, you know, sometimes you've got to ask yourself, I am 
I'm capable of more, but I don't know how to do that. And stepping into a liminal place or joining the police force or volunteering or joining, you know, some, doing something out of your bounds is going to push you into that. And um, I'm a very poor poker player, so it's I'm all in. So if I'm going to do something, it's all in. It's like one hand for me, Anthony. That's why I don't play poker. <laughs> I'd lose I lose the house. <laughs> to play you for some big money. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> you'd be you'd own a house in Chicago very soon. <laughs> um, but what the army taught me, brother, is yeah, you go through basic training. You are um, you are pushed to your physical limit, um, but you must learn to rely on your team. Uh, as much as you just said. And so you can be the best and you're, you're challenged, at least in the U.S. Army, you're challenged to be the best, but no better than the rest of your mates and the rest of your team, because it is all about the team. It is all about the function of the unit. And um, so I learned camaraderie. I learned collaboration. I learned that I couldn't be the weakest link of the chain. That was something they told us all the time. So if we're going to put this chain of of soldiers together, don't be the one that breaks the chain. Um, you know, I've kind of in my in my ministry circle, sometimes when I'm speaking, I'll say something like this. You know, patriotism is great. Everybody says they're a patriot. But if you ask most soldiers, and I'm sure this is true of those in the UK army, um, who, you know, who are they going to lay down their lives for? It's not going to be for queen and country. It's not going to be for the flag. It's going to be for their brothers and sisters in the trenches and the blood and the mud. And I'm assuming that's the case in the police force as well. And so, yes, you build these deep bonds with people that, you know, theoretically you're, you could have to rely on for your very life. And so the, the terminology that I've come up through the years is the blood in the mud and the actual combat, the war is lost or won in the blood in the mud. Uh, mm -hmm. And I get that from, of course, our good friend William Shakespeare and Henry V. And uh, he's got a great, great monologue about this. But the blood in the mud is where we do ministry. And that's what that's what I've been. God has had to remind me of that. Hey, Patrick, it's great that you're wired and you're passionate about the nations and the tongues and the, the thousands and the millions. I need you to serve your neighbor. I need you to be a, 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 a Christ like father figure to your, your children. I, I need you to serve the poor and the marginalized. I need you to remember the ones, Patrick, just as much as you're working on the top, the thousands in the cities. And so that's the way that the army has kind of helped me, Anthony, is just kind of be able to navigate between those two levels, so to speak, the, the massive, like win the war, be ready, but serve with faith and courage the, the, the brother or sister who's in the blood and the mud with you. So Yeah. One of my favorite films uh, is First Blood, uh, you know, Rambo. Yes. Before they all got totally ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing was, you know, it's a sad story because he was a soldier who went on his own. Right. Uh, right. And, you know, no matter how skilled we are, you know, that's not going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, so, again, taking it from there, I, you know, I know that you, you well, you didn't just get this role of, uh, you know, one day uh, they were looking around for somebody to lead the, the new thing uh, globally. Um, oh. And uh, hey, hey, Patrick. Hey, I know this kid. <laughs> no, you know, it didn't happen that way. <laughs> came up and you served in different ways. And that's the kind of thing that we that is modeled in, in new thing, too, in yeah. that there's this kind of levels that you, you know, it isn't so much, uh, oh, you, you prove yourself by leading. You actually, I think, prove yourself by serving in different 
ways. So yes. you, you know, tell us a little bit about how that worked for you, the different kind of teams, I suppose, that you were on uh, once you started to, you know, having having now fast forward a little bit, you've uh, the, the army. I don't know what business you did. Maybe you could tell us what business stuff that was. But then you're you're involved, you know, in in the ministry and serving in a local church. And how did that then uh, come to take you to uh, to being able to to do what you're doing now? Yeah, let me I, let me encourage your listeners too. the. You know, it took me a long time to realize that, you know, to trust prevenient grace, to trust that God was doing something in my life without me ever needing to even realize it. And so all the pieces like, you know, maybe a little bit of a challenging childhood, um, some 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 family struggles with addiction, the army business. I was I was in business and my job was to, frankly, make millionaires and billionaires richer. Uh, that's what I did. And and uh, I actually loved the work. But as I look over my shoulder and as I got into my early 30s and found my way back to God, I realized how God had been preparing me for becoming the director of new thing and how how that happened was. And, and this gets back to when I when I did come to Christ, um, we found our way back as a family. My wife first. I want to give her that credit. Um, the day I was baptized, I'm coming out of the water. I'm 30. 34, 33, and my small group leader has what we call an I see in you conversation with me. And an I see in you conversation is simply, hey, mate, I think you could do this. And -hmm. what he was alluding to was I could lead a small group. I had led in the army. I had led in college. I had led in business. The last thing I ever thought would I be able to lead in the church in any capacity. But Mm -hmm. that conversation, Anthony, changed my life. I'm not kidding. I don't want to be too hyperbolic about it, but it changed because at, at New Thing, we have said that language and license empowers people. Just this idea of you can do it. God has got this. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be perfect. God is going to use you. You have to be available. Yep. That's the key. You have to be available. And so the I first thing I did, Sorry, I see in you. I see in you. I see yes, in you. You yeah. got it. Yeah, that's it, really what it, it's saying. There's four letters. It works in English, not so well in some of the other languages, but in English, it works. Yeah, yeah. It's, just, yeah I mean, it's better with an American accent, I think. <laughs> I'm seeing you, somebody who could do this, that kind of I, Yeah, that I could lead a small group. I could apprentice as a small group leader. And this is what I was driving at with your question. I think it's a fabulous question. So my first ministry role was just to apprentice. And, um, and then once I apprenticed, I became a small group leader. Once I became a small group leader, I became a small group coach. And then I was never on staff at a church. I was in the business world. I was serving my church faithfully, giving generously, like we, you know, we were discipled to. And um, the idea of church planning was always about us. Uh, that's why I love Ivy so much in your leadership. Um, we were we caught the bug of church planning. I heard and saw the stories of people leaving to start new things for the kingdom. And one day we were asked to join a team that was going to move to Kansas City and not just plant the church, but we were going to plant a network of churches that were going to help be a part of changing the spiritual landscape of Kansas City. And my friend, that fired up my imagination in, in ways that I can't even kind of comprehend today. But so off we left. Um, it was a very scary point in our lives. Uh, but we moved to Kansas City to plant the church. And uh, uh, that was the story of my journey as a church planter and as a church planting coach. Amazing. So now um, you're trying to get others to similarly go through uh, a leadership 
pipeline in different churches to take people from being, um, you know, I suppose from, from from people far from God to then find their way back to God to then not just be a church member, but to see themselves as as a missionary, as somebody who's sure. on a mission, sure. and then from there to to uh, yeah to devote themselves to the the Jesus mission, uh, and some of them go on and plant churches. Um, yeah. So what's the what's the deal now with new thing? Because obviously, I think I think that church that in, in Kansas City was maybe one of the first ones that was planted out of community church. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Since then, I found my I yeah. found my way back to God at community where Dave Ferguson is lead pastor. That's just, again, God's grace yeah. on my life being up the street. <laughs> um, a community gave birth to new thing which really just started out as a as as pastors who left to plant churches and wanted to stay friends and connected. And um and you're right, Kansas City was one of the first to do that. And we wanted to go out and start another what we call a movement in Kansas City. Um and uh by God's grace, we we did that. One of the things that I think helped is we planted pregnant. So mm. first day that we planted in March of 2008, we planted our first church in a high school auditorium in the north side of Kansas City. And there were a number of us up there that said, hey, we are here to serve this community, to love this community, to help you. Um, and then we're going to plant churches. And here are some of the people who are going to go out and plant churches. And it set the tone that this was going to be a church planting church. And one of the things I've learned, because I've, I've, I've since gone back to Wheaton, I've got the degree from Matt, I've got a master's degree in theology and all that stuff because I'm a learner. But I am fundamentally convinced convinced anthony that as god's people engage in mission the holy spirit breathes life into them mm. so we if we want to see evangelism rise we want to see discipleship rise we we make sure we have a clear call of how we are engaging our, our faith communities our church communities in the mission of god and the wider mission of god and so i'm passionate about that right now because i've literally seen it shake the walls of local churches and bring them to a new place where they say yeah isn't God good? Ephesians 3.20. If we are just faithful and available, God is going to do immeasurably more. And I, I, I just love that opportunity that I've had. Yeah. So to those first uh, church plants, they were, from what you're saying, uh, networking together. And the, yeah. the leaders, pastors would would connect relationally and regularly, encouraging one another and praying from one another and it, it seems to me really in some ways all that's gone on since then is that is been multiplied in over and over and over and over again yeah it's that simple i mean it and and so we call it out of john 17 we call it the great collaboration hmm. um there's a there's a there's a there's a gifting of leaders across the world you're one of them you know this anthony across the world that you know are certainly on the apostolic spectrum <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they can't help themselves. They can't help but start new things. So we come alongside those leaders. And what what we're really trying to do is not just saying we're better together. We are. And by the way, Jesus prays for unity uh, as as uh, the night before he goes to the cross on our behalf. He's praying for our unity. And and I just ask your listeners to meditate on that. It's it's a heavy fact for me. Um, but the idea that we are here for such a short time as this. I love that you already referenced Ecclesiastes. Um, you and I, what I would hope, you and me and some of the leaders and, and some of your listeners, 
we have to really see ourselves as stewards of the resources and the time we have. We are here, you're in Manchester, I'm here in Chicago because of the good faithfulness of those who went before us. We are here for such a short time as this, and there will be others that will come after us. And so how can we steward what God has given us so that the kingdom is the win and not the castle? Uh, and I'm an American and we love castles. We love castle building. We build really good and big and strong castles. We got pink castles and blue castles and social media on our castles and lights at our castles and podcasts around our castles. You get my point. But at the end of the day, brother, this is a kingdom cause. And so yeah. how can we collaborate? And that's what new thing, that's where new things stays in that sweet space. And so back to your, you know, collaboration of leaders in a city who say we are going to care more about the gospel and the flourishing of the gospel in our city than we are the castle that we lead. And we are going to serve one another as we serve our city. And when that starts to happen, brother, man, God blesses it. it I just, I see that over and over and over. And it's messy and it's hard and it's not easy. It takes time, but it's worth it. Yeah, so good. So um, it's, for me, this is a, a kind of, uh, I know the answer, but I'm still, uh, I want <laughs> you to be able to tell us. Um, the the four R's which have now developed in terms of what new thing is, um, you know what are the, what are the, the the kind of I suppose core values in in of how you know we've kind of you just explained the why uh, the, mm -hmm. the, the the what really well of, of mm -hmm. new um, and the, the how to me uh, is is kind of um, well a big part of that would be the four R's in terms of what that is so so uh, just please tell our listeners what what those four R's of new thing are. Yeah, I'll keep it brief. What um, the four R's are simply the core values in which our churches align. So we are not a denomination. Uh, we are friends on mission. We are aligned by that mission. So we put mission at the middle of our of our relationship. Well, then, if you kind of think about uh, organizational theory, what you have on your hands is really a centered set organization versus a bounded set organization. And so the values then become what the churches of new thing orbit around. And what we've tried to keep it as simple as possible. The first one of these are in no order of importance. The first R is reproducing. So we ask every church in new thing to um, dream big about reproducing, reproducing at every level uh, and make a commitment to do that. Uh, and that's kind of just one of our, because we're a church planting organization. We want to see new churches emerge out of our work together. So the first R is reproducing. The second R is relationship. And this is this idea of being in the blood and the mud with one another. If I'm a pastor in Manchester, I got I, I should know you. I should be able to pray for you and your family. You and I should be able to, to pray over the city together. And I have to stay in relationship with you. You're not just a colleague, like a work colleague. You're you're a brother in Christ and we are engaged in the mission in Manchester here. So relationships and we say a, a uh, the relationships happen in a network and network are four to six churches working together with a missional identity. So in Chicagoland, 10 million people, we would need thousands of networks of, of local churches. So reproducing relationships, resources, this idea that you and I as leaders in local churches are stewards. We are stewards. We are here to, we don't own it. It's not our budget. We just happen to steward our budget. We just happen to steward our buildings. We just happen to steward our, our intellectual content. And so how do we share that for the kingdom glory and the kingdom cause? 
And then the last R is what we call a resident. And a resident is basically a church planter apprentice. And it's my way of saying, hey, local church in London or Manchester or Chicago or Mumbai, I don't care. Make sure you are owning the responsibility of investing in the next generation of leaders who are going to plant the next generation of churches. They're going to be contextualized. They're going to be for your community. But that is a, and so the four R's, last point, are really about the principles of movement. Reproducing at every level, staying in relationship with one another as sisters and brothers in Christ for the sake of God's glory and unity, sharing resources and investing in the next generation of uh, leaders through residency. Amazing. I'm going to go over those a little bit. My own just thoughts and reflections on them. Reproducing obviously is biblical because, um, you know, it's the very first thing that humans were told to do by God. Was to go forth and multiply, to be fruitful on the earth and to, to you know, not just to look after the Garden of Eden, but to extend it across the earth. That was God's dream. Um, and as well, obviously, is the Great uh, Commission, which is a, a reproducing, uh, you know, command, not an option. And then in terms of the relational side of it, the relationships, um I just want to, I'm going to honor you in this, uh, that I think that, you know, again, I've found that people in new thing d- do this, that, that, you know, we, 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 we are often, I've just found people are there for each other. You know, we can't all live in each other's pockets, but I've just been so blessed over the years. Just recently, I'll just let people know, you know, there's a difficult situation I've had to be involved in. And I, I just messaged um, Patrick, uh, you know, maybe at some point we could catch up and have a pray on what and WhatsApp. And within the hour, we were talking. And I've got to tell you, brother, that meant a lot to me because I know you've got a lot going on. And you know, so often we can end up, um, you know, spinning so many plates is difficult for that. But I just want to say thanks for for, for modeling that kind of friendship uh, and of, of of being, you know, partners together in the mission. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the best resources that you can get your hands on, uh, many of them are, are free and connected uh, into new things, as well as the stuff that, you know, if you read Alan Hirsch's books, because he's now you know very much part of new thing. And if you read Dave Ferguson's books as well uh, as that, and, you know, there's connections that have come out from new thing into exponential stuff like actually the great collaboration, which I know actually. Uh, I, I know it was Jesus's idea, first of all, but I think I was, you were the first person I ever heard language. <laughs> and, uh, no, it's look, him. Trust me, it's him. <laughs> but, yeah, the great, the, we talk about the Great Commission, the Great Commandment, but the Great Collaboration, you know, is, uh, you know, is, a, is a wonderful way of expressing that idea of not just being castle builders, but kingdom builders. And, mm. and then a great thing that we've got from Ivy over the years is residencies. And, and whether you call it that or whatever you want to call it, uh, just to open a door for people to come and, and try uh, and see and test a call that might end up with them planting churches or starting something else that entrepreneurial that is ecclesia in some way. And, you know, looking back, we've had so many people come and go and leave Ivy. And in, if I was like your traditional church leader, I'd be like, oh, I, those people left them. We needed them on the coffee rotor or, you know, we needed them to do. But actually, 
it's thrilling. It's exciting to see people going off and and planting something new for the kingdom of God. Whether you know, and you've just been a part of that journey. You know, you've maybe watered a seed or something like that. So, hats off to New Thing for for uh, you know helping to to make that happen. And I would just say to anybody who's who's uh, connected to this, you don't, Patrick, you don't have to be part of it. You said you're not a denomination. You know, you could be in a denomination or you could not be in a denomination, or because because it isn't about um a theology right yeah That's exactly right it's about yeah. being friends on mission it's yeah. about it's about working together for the kingdom in a contextual way uh yeah. in diverse ways but unified for kingdom yes yeah because if we if we get into detail on some theology about you know what we think for example about baptism people who argue all day about baptism never actually get around to baptizing anybody <laughs> You know, because nobody wants to be part of that anyway, because right. there's, there's people over there who are falling out and they're too busy falling out to reach out. You know, so I, I think that if we can get um, focused on the Jesus mission, um, a lot of these other things kind of fall away or, or, or kind of recede in terms of. Or may, may I just suggest this, because I think you're absolutely right. You know, I, I know theology is important to you. Theology is important to me. Uh, yeah. to all of us. <clears throat> but. You and I having a theological conversation as friends versus as representing our various denominational factions is a whole different is a whole different way to do things. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Anthony, tell me, I I, I disagree with the way you think about this or the, your read on that theologically. Help me understand that. I mean, the majority of the churches and new thing globally would fall under what you would call classical evangelical philosophy, you know, theology. But I love how you just put it. We hope that we can be friends on mission and never break unity over our theology. Because let's say, you know, I, I, who's ever planting churches in Manchester, I know this for the fact, you're a fan of. <laughs> you're a fan of, right? You, you're, you're there to serve. It's the same in Chicago. I might be very different from you theologically or uh, even ecclesiologically, but I'm still a fan of what you're doing if you're planting new churches in my city. So yeah, the people, the people who are reaching out, the people who are making, who actually have a burden, I suppose there's no word for that, mm. for, for mm. the lost, are mm. people actually, you've got a classic evangelical mindset that says, yes. you know, the Bible is the word of God. And yes. so people, everybody needs to hear that. Jesus is the only savior. Mm. And, mm. Uh, and as we've said so many times already on this time together, time is short, eternity is forever. And, and everybody needs and deserves a chance to be able to, uh, to, to hear the good news that's transformed our lives. And it's like in scripture, it says the love of Christ compels us. And I think that, you know, there's so many things the church has, has ended up, uh, you know, various different causes we could be about, that, you know, maybe even important, but they're not the main thing. Mm. And, mm. and thing for me organizes and uh, around the main thing and helping people to connect. So what's the state of play now from, you know, as I've been involved uh, for a number of years now um it, it's, it's kind of one of the things i'm involved in but it's your main thing that you're you, yeah. you know you're part of so you're you're the, you know on the ground to be able to help us in terms of maybe some facts and figures to you know what is it looking like on a, a global scale you know in, in the times when people say we well, you know well the church is on its knees and struggling and you know there's not really hope i think new thing gives a different narrative to that so you know what, what how what's the what's it what's it looking like yeah um, I let me just be very raw and candid with your listeners. Um, and you know this, Anthony. I 
thank God for the global church during COVID. Uh, from all the craziness that went on in my country, uh, some of the craziness that's gone on in the UK, um, man, thank thank goodness for our our, our global brothers and sisters. I, I am so inspired and excited about what God is doing globally. And I think, let me just speak to two things that I see. Just again, I'm a humble servant, just watching it from my chair. Number one is a spirit of collaboration. More leaders, and I suggest there's even a demographic shift, more leaders globally are talking about working together, more church leaders, which is a great thing. And if you listen very carefully to those under 40, particularly in the West, that's all they're talking about. They're all talking a very different game. They're still loyal to denomination. They're still loyal to their heritage. It's like, hey, I still love my family, but I'm going to go out and do something new and different. And uh, it, I'm not going to try to do it alone. I'm going to do it together with others. So that's that's the spirit of collaboration is blowing. And I think there is a growing movement towards city-centric saturation, gospel saturation, flourishing around cities. Um, and of course, some of your your global listeners can you know contextualize this, uh, but here in the states, um, we are finding more and more. I live in Chicago. We are finding more and more leaders who are stepping into the the conversation around what is it going to take for the city of Chicago to to receive the full flourishing of the gospel, and how are we going to be doing that together? And so I've had dozens of conversations, Anthony, over the last few months with leaders all over the world who are representing new emerging city movements where everybody's working together for the cause of the city. Um, and then I would say the last, there's a third, so so collaboration city. And then the third one, and I know this speaks to some of, of your important work, there's, a, there's an entrepreneurial spirit. So I was with a uh, denomination here in the United States just a few weeks ago, speaking at one of their conferences. And they have a they have a church planning goal of 35 new churches, but they are 35 new expressions of church. So they're not doing it. This is the model. This is what we're doing. They're saying, hey, we could be open to some new things that God is doing. And what could that look like? Is it digital? Is it micro? Is it network? Is it hybrid? Is it planting? A... All of it is on the table right now. And that is really exciting to me, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm excited that a launch this year, we're going to have some yes. every year. We always have a connection with new thing because it's my tribe. And, uh, you know, I unashamedly want to make sure that people who come to launch know that that uh, that, we, you know, we could not have started it without new thing, without encouragement from people like yourself and Dave and John Ferguson and others. And, uh, you know, just cheering us on and helping us with all of that. We, and uh, so there will be whether you come to north uh, in Manchester or south for the one day that we're now doing, if you've got a launch catalyst.org, you're going to be able to connect with and hear from people involved with new thing. And I, I just feel that, you know, one of the conversations that I'm, I'm, I'm certainly connected to and actually, I, you know, I won't go into the details of it, but I, I do get connections and contact from people who are in denominations who at the moment are struggling. People mm. are saying, uh, you know, it's, it's not just that it's, it's hard, but they're kind of wondering what is the future for for churches and and there can be an isolation whatever whether you're in a denomination or not i mean i was in a denomination for many years but i didn't really have any friends there i didn't have any people that were my people in there you know you go and go along to these things that were called the, the deanery chapter and they were just like a, a council of despair you know you just sort of like 
everybody would be looking at each other like, oh, I hope your church doesn't grow because you're going to make mine look bad. It was it was not a fun place to be, and 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 but there's, there's actually uh, to be around other people, and this is one of the things that people love about launch. By the way, if you're wondering about coming, to be with a group group of people who are just gonna you know pray for you, uh, connect with you, cheer you on, etc. That's one of the things launch does, but it's also one of the things that new thing is all about. So I just encourage anybody who's who's listening to to get in touch with uh, with new thing what's i mean the, the, what 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 ways are there to do that i know that you know people may be listening to this and do listen to this from different parts of the world um as well as i mean the majority of, of listeners are in the uk um but but um how can people get in touch if they're interested in a conversation about how they can connect into the the new thing dream please patrick yeah, I would say go to launch. That's number one. Go to launch because we uh, we love you and we appreciate you and I appreciate you, Anthony. And I've personally experienced launch and it, it, it's it's fabulous. So go to launch. That's the first thing because Anthony will tell you about new things. I agree with Second, point. <laughs> Secondly is simply new thing, one word, dot org. New thing dot org. It's got all of the information there um, and uh, you can fill out a, a form and we'll get back to you. Um, thanks to you, Anthony, and your team and, and all the others in Western Europe. We have a very robust team in Western Europe and uh, very, very, very excited and humbled by all that you guys are doing. So, yeah, and then that's led by actually by an African, by yep. a Kenyan, our brother uh, Tobias Ngala, who is just an awesome church planter. We're going to get him on the, church, on the Future Church podcast very soon as well and hear more about his amazing story. But uh, yeah, we, we it's a, a global network of of people locally and regionally just being friends on mission, and I so encourage you to connect in with uh, with new thing because here's not not just because not just because um, it you need it maybe, but actually we need you. We we yes. want we want your connection and your learning and your friendship and your uh, you know we want to hear about your dreams so that we can pray with with you over those two and and again the idea behind this is that you relationally connect and you regularly connect that there's relational rhythms it isn't just you know it's it's great if I see you once a year at launch but you know if you get involved with new thing you're going to have multiple opportunities of contact for prayer for connection local and regional etc so i'm going to ask you one more thing tell us about the movement system and before you pray for us what's the uh because i think that's one of the most exciting things that's coming out of new thing at the moment you could encapsulate that in a few moments and minutes for us just the movement system is please well the movement system it consists of five catalysts uh the first catalyst is what we call and they're all starting with reproducing because that's one of the four hours so reproducing disciples uh reproducing leaders reproducing churches, networks, and movements. And what we're saying there, um, there's just two points to be made. Number one is if local faith communities, if, if, if Jesus-centered communities are making disciples, you brought up the Great Commission, leaders are going to emerge. As those leaders emerge, churches are going to be planted. As churches are planted, networks will need to be cultivated. And as networks are cultivated, movements will happen. And so what we've tried to do is keep it very simple and free because God told us to. Now, as the organizational leader of New Thing, Anthony, I that took me a while to get my head around. <laughs> really, God? We're going to give this all away? Yep. Okay. <laughs> so it is available. <clears throat> Most of uh, those of us in the West have been doing the these catalysts online. 
but sometimes we'll do them in person as well. Newthing.org has a lot more. And the other point I'll make is, and Anthony, you and I, you know, I, I love the privilege of speaking with you and your listeners, but Newthing is a gang of practitioners. And so what I love is we've, you've helped, and, and so many of our African brothers and sisters and Indian brothers and sisters have helped build this content. And so this is as global as I know right now, and we're constantly tweaking it and turning it and twisting it to make sure that it reflects kind of what God's doing and how he's doing it. But it's also built on principles because we know that making disciples in Chicago is different than making disciples in Manchester than it is in Nairobi. And so, but the principles of discipleship and the commands to make disciples are exactly the same. Uh, mm -hmm. So the movement system, five simple catalysts that won't get the job done. They won't be all like, this is all you do, but I believe that they will steer you and your, your church into new territory. Some will be, it'll take some paradigm shifting, but we're also going to give you some very practical and reasonable yeah. tools to carry all this out. Yeah, and I think there's leaders right now who are praying and thinking, you know, you know, again, we still just feel like we're sort of weirdly slowly coming out of COVID into whatever mm -hmm. next. And and I don't know about you, but I think many people might be listening and they don't want to just go back. Nobody, you know, why would mm -hmm. you want to go back to what was? Things have changed mm -hmm. and now's the time for us to move forward. And I do think that you know, something like the movement system can help people to to have um, something of a map going forward uh you know some sort of direction of uh here's some things that that you know they they're working in just about every nation that new thing is connected to and that's now many many nations around the world so why wouldn't it work where you are and you know give these things a go and obviously you're gonna you're gonna uh change them and and make them suit your place but uh yeah and and help to shape it by being a practitioner yourself Okay, Patrick, could you please pray for us as we as we wrap up the Future Church podcast? Pray for all of the listeners. Thank you so Be much, my privilege. Be my privilege. Father God, I just want to say thank you to Anthony for setting this table. I, I, I pray for each and every one of his listeners who are, um, who are engaged in this conversation, uh, in this multifaceted, multidisciplined conversation about your kingdom. And Lord, may you show your favor on all of these listeners. May you show your presence. May your spirit dwell powerfully in their midst. May you, um, may you reach out to those, Lord, who are suffering and hurting right now. May you encourage those who are standing in front of that liminal space and wondering if you're calling them in. Lord, challenge us as we challenge one another to do immeasurably more in the spirit of Ephesians 3.20. I pray your favor over this podcast. And I pray your favor over launch, Lord, knowing that these catalytic moments when leaders gather together you show up and do great things and so lord just thank you for this and thank you for this friendship and uh this love that i have for for anthony in jesus name amen amen love you too my friend thank you so much patrick and um guys if you're listening again please um uh share this if it's been helpful to you on your own networks with other leaders Perhaps um, you could post something about it on your own social media or, uh, you know, rate it and give us a little review because all those things really help other people uh, to, to uh, be encouraged as we hope we have been to you today. Thank you so much. And uh, do get in touch with Patrick, newthing.org or launchcatalyst.org for us. God bless you and thank you.